Hello everyone, welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Alex Murrah, and I am joined today by Alexis Clark. And if this is your first time with us, welcome. We are a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone both in and out of the field of public health. Today we will be talking with Dr. Dwight Ferguson, who is currently serving in the U.S. Public Health Service as an Emergency Management Specialist within the Office of the Assistant Secretary for the Preparedness and Response in the Department of Health and Human Services. In his role as an Emergency Management Specialist, Dr. Ferguson has coordinated the response for federal emergencies such as Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and various infection control measures for COVID-19. Dr. Ferguson is also one of the recipients of the College of Public Health's 2021 Outstanding Alumni Awards. He earned his MS in Epidemiology and PhD in Occupational and Environmental Health from the University of Iowa. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ferguson. Well, thank you both very much. It's an honor to be here today. So just to start us off, could you tell us a little bit about your path to becoming an emergency management specialist in the U.S. Public Health Service? Well, yeah, thank you very much. Um, Boy, what I'll say is that it's been quite a journey to get to where I'm at here today. And it's a journey that I I thoroughly enjoyed. And so I can say that it all started out for me being in high school. And with me being in high school, I had a high school biology teacher, uh, Mr. Umbler, who encouraged me to pursue a medical technology degree. And he encouraged me to do that because of the great foundation it provided for the sciences. And he also predicted in, in 20 years in the future that people would not be staying in the same type of job. And so it'll be good to have a good foundation for which to branch out of. Um, that then led me to pursue my medical technology degree um, at Gannon University in Erie, Pennsylvania. And whilst I was there, I would say that during my senior year, I got a bad case of the flu. And at the time, I was studying virology and immunology. And so I naturally decided to do my uh, senior virology project on um, swine flu and looking at the flu and how those two interact together, which um, fortunately for me, I had a good friend and mentor who encouraged me to pursue graduate studies in public health. And so as a result of that, uh, I came to the University of Iowa and um, I worked here, did my EPI program. And at the same time, whilst I was here, there was a Dr. Gregory Gray that had established the Center for Emerging Infectious Diseases here. And um, with working with him, I decided to pursue my occupation of my health to further my studies, to learn a little bit more about how diseases, zoonotic diseases impact agricultural community. Once I was completed with my degree here and working with Dr. Gray, um, I got an internship where I worked at West Liberty Foods and I was the safety manager there. And so all of that led to uh, me enjoying working in the private industry and working with em- and employees and the management system there to keep the workers safe. And as I thought of, about it, and unfortunately in 2014, the Ebola outbreak occurred in West Africa. And um, across the news, there was a group of people wearing a uniform. And I, and I became interested in who this group of people were. And they were on the Commission Corps of the United States Public Health Services. And so I became interested in, in learning more about them and to join that group of officers that serve our country through public health. Um, I had a good friend at my church who's, who was having a wedding anniversary. And their daughter, unbeknownst to me, was in the service. And so whilst I was at the party, I got to talk with her and she told me about her being Captain Renee Funk, 
being in U U.S. Public Health Services. And she encouraged me to apply, and I did. And I got accepted, I was commissioned. And so after I got commissioned, I worked in the Food and Drug Administration in Kansas City, and um, I was a consumer safety officer. And as a consumer safety officer, I, I got deployed to, to assist in um, various disasters, such as Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, uh, where I did environmental health and community health assessments. And um, after many years of being on various types of deployments, including this COVID pandemic, I learned that there was this agency called ASPR, otherwise known as Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. They are the public health um, agency that coordinates human resources and responses to disasters. And so once I learned about them, I, I decided to, to apply to a position within um, ASPR. And that's when I became an emergency management specialist. And so as you can see, that's a whole winding road where, where in a way my, uh, my high school biology teacher was correct in that in the years to come, people will not generally be in the same um, field. It will be growing. And so I, I'm quite thankful um, for his advice and for the many advice I got from my advisors because honestly, I had um, Dr. Kelly Donham, who is my PhD advisor. He's the one that spurred me on into getting that internship at West Liberty Foods because um, I worked um, in the laboratory. I did infectious diseases and he encouraged me to go beyond my comfort zone so I could learn more about what's out there. So when I do graduate, um, I'll be able to be more beneficial to people in need. And so I'm thankful for that opportunity that he provided. I think it's really interesting to hear that, like you have quite the journey, first of all. It's been like, it's very inspiring. Um, I really connect with the whole high school biology teachers. A lot of times they don't realize just how influential they can be. So during all of that, you mentioned many mentors that you've had along your journey. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest when students are looking for these mentors? Did, did that all happen very naturally for you? Or did you go out and seek those relationships? And do you think you going out and seeking those relationships or them happening naturally ended up helping you find your first job outside of the College of Public Health? Right. Thank you. That's a good question. And that um, I would say in terms of mentorships and mentors, I had to seek out my mentors. And I would encourage um, students, first-year students, second-year students, to seek out mentors. And the way how I did that is that, um, for instance, coming to the College of Public Health, initially for my uh, master's degree program, my first mentor here was Dr. Gregory Gray. And that stemmed from when I was an undergrad in Pennsylvania because he had the same research interest that I had. So I sought him out, uh, which led to me working for him eventually once I graduated. When um, I decided to pursue my PhD here at the University of Iowa, one of the professors that did a lot of work with zoonotic diseases, apart from Dr. Gregory Gray, was Dr. Kelly Donham. He had some other PhD advisees that he uh, had mentored. And so once I figured out what I wanted to do, I reached out to him and I um, submitted my proposal to him in terms of what I would like to do as a PhD student. And so we sat down in his office for several hours and talked about it. And from since that moment, um, we we were able to work well professionally and personally together. And so I would say that I would encourage students to do that because there's a lot of wealth of knowledge that our professors have from their world experience and from the professional experience. Because again, he encouraged me to go beyond my comfort zone to attain an internship, which led to me open up a whole new world because 
as a public health service officer, I get deployed in various situations. And through my um, time working at Wrestler Bay Foods as a safety manager, I'm, I'm able to tap into that to use those experiences to apply it to new scenarios. And also at the same time, applying the information that I learned here and the skills and knowledge I learned at the University of Iowa. And so sometimes um, mentorships don't happen organically. You have to seek it out. With your training in epidemiology and occupational health, there are so many things that you can do with those two degrees. You mentioned kind of having that initial inspiration with influenza, but how did you end up ultimately deciding the area of focus? Was it the mentors? And then how do you like today use aspects of both of those fields in your work? Okay. So um, something I didn't mention earlier was that when I was a kid, I can't remember, somewhere between the age of two and five, my mom told me that um, I also was hospitalized with pneumonia. And so um, from a young kid age, I, I have this respiratory issue going on. And so I had that issue. And then with me being in college, coming across, um, getting the bad case of the flu, those, those experiences um, somewhat uh, piqued my interest in, in terms of the infectious disease component and then in the epidemiology component. And as I got into that more and seeing how it's easily transmitted and see the history of it, that led to me pursuing the courses that I was doing and connecting with the mentors I was doing. Because again, they had somewhat of the same interest that I had and they were somewhat going in the same direction. So that helped me connect with Dr. Gregory Gray and working in his laboratory. But it also um, helped me to connect with Dr. Um, Kelly Stoneham, Dr. Tara Smith, um, with working on my PhD dissertation. And so I would say my interest in epidemiology came from a childhood illness, and um, which led me to really enjoying biology and microbiology, um, which is why I took biology and um, immunology in, in undergrad. And as I pursued that, uh, I was a medical technologist. So I did um, somewhat of a community-based health. As a laboratory technician, you work in the hospital systems, you have a lot of medical tests that comes in and you evaluate it and you have to provide information to the doctors. And so as I was doing that, I started to get interested in beyond the laboratory experience to the general public health in terms of, I'm giving particular results to a particular doctor that's going out to a particular patient that impacts their lifestyle. But at the same time, there are many other patients going through the same thing and they all may be correlated or connected together, which is where I got interested in public health. As I was doing my work with Dr. Gregory Gray, we did a lot of um, um, zoonotic diseases where we looked with the agricultural community to see how various swine flu occurred. Um, we actually did, I went to the Minnesota State Fair, Matt, the Minnesota State Fair, where we actually was doing some enrollments um, for, for persons that work and handle pigs to see their, their ability or their risk factors for getting swine flu. And so as I did that, I started to see that we also had a component of the, of the workers in terms of their working in particular environments that exposes them to particular type of diseases. And that's how I got my interest in occupational environmental health, because there's not just the public um, interest in terms of how we look at public health, but there's also the employee aspect of occupational health. And so I connected my epidemiology zoonotic diseases with occupational health, which led to me um, wanting to talk to Dr. Kelly Dono to pursue my degree in occupational health with a focus in agriculture safety. I 
personally, I think the combination of epidemiology and occupational health is so interesting. I'm taking an OEH class right now. And I don't know, sometimes, you know, we think about these five disciplines of public health and, but they're so deeply intertwined. And I really, I enjoy the whole road transmission aspect of my class too. So as a USPHS officer, you have been involved in a variety of projects ranging from recovery efforts after Hurricane Maria to wildfire assessments on the West Coast. Most recently, you have been involved with infection control related to COVID-19, related to the COVID-19 pandemic. In what ways has the pandemic impacted your work at USPHS? All right. Um, it has greatly impacted my work and many of the other officers work um, at the United States Public Health Services. And I would say, as for yourself also, it again impacted the whole world and how we approach our work. But in particularly with the United States Public Health Services, it impacted our work in terms that we are now more on calls for deployments than previously. And uh, because of the many um, outbreaks that happen, we are being deployed to help assist um, various groups or agencies or tribes to help them address the outbreaks. When I was initially deployed to the beginning of the pandemic, I was deployed to a long-term care facility. And a part of our work as a, as a strike team that went in there to help augment the staff, because they were short staff, my, my responsibility was safety and infection control. So as a safety officer, um, what I had to do was ensure that, that the team that got deployed with me, that they operated safely, that they were were protected from various hazards. And so before they came in, I had to do a site safety assessment to identify the various hazards and then to mitigate for the hazards. Um, I had to work with the facility themselves to identify the hazards that we identified so they're aware of it and they could correct it if it needed to be. And also in terms of infection control, I had to train our employees and then the staff employee for the facility on how to properly wear um, the protective gear, uh, PPE, and the, what type of PPE to wear and how to properly don and doff the PPE to reduce routes of transmission. And so I would say we um, in the public health services, we have had to um, honestly um, grow as, as, a, as a service branch in terms of um, what we do and what we're called to do in that we are more integrated into um, the public health um, need for the country and we are really available. Um, to the needs of the public health um, needs of the community in the country. Previously, we predominantly deployed for like around 14 days, but now we're deploying for at least around 30 days because of the need. And then um, when you go out there to deploy, the knowledge and information that you share with the agency or the organization or the department you're working with, it takes some time to develop that, that relationship and to identify what's needed and then to implement um, the required needs. And so a quick turnaround of 14 days is just not sufficient. And so we have changed to more of a 30-day 30, 30 deployment so we can properly address the needs of the communities that need it, needs us. How many officers are in this branch? Okay. If you had an guess. Yes, yes. Um, so we're roughly around 6,500 officers. Okay. Um, we're trying to get it up to around 10,000 um, officers. And so... Um, one of the things right before the pandemic and that we have what we call ourselves regular officers or commission officers more, more correctly, um, we have developed a new group um, in our branch called the Ready Reserve. 
And so with the Ready Reserve, they are um, officers that uh, maintain their normal day of, day of work duties in the private industry or wherever else. And then if a needs arise, um, the public health service can call upon them to deploy them to backfill us wherever needed. Because then again, through the pandemic, and even before the pandemic, we saw that there's a growing need for more of us uh, and with more of us, it may not need to be on a continuous full-time basis, but it also could be on a, a needs basis. And so that when we need to call upon a group of people that are specialized, we can call upon them and deploy them for specific missions. I have a follow-up question. So you kind of mentioned how you might have had to adapt like the time frame. You guys have to take a little bit more time now on these sites, but when you're engaging with that community, telling them how to manage the exposure, you know, or the, the outbreak that they might have, is there a specific way that you guys might have a, had to adapt your approach, like comparing like outbreak pre-COVID, like for Ebola or something compared to like COVID? Because there's so many, there's so much information that people read online and then you're probably having to combat that. So has there been a way that you and your team has had to like approach that differently? So um, so the area that you were probably generally talking about was health education mm-hmm. component in terms of, yes, we have had to bolster um, how we approach health education and how we address communication um, to the populace that we're serving. Because one of the things with the internet is there's a lot of information available out there. Yeah. And so uh, when we go into particular areas, um, we have to be more aware of what's going on. And by becoming more aware of what's going on, we can be able to properly address the situations, to be able to answer the questions. Because one of the things that I would say that uh, we are addressing and have addressed correctly is that we come in with a listening uh, aspect to, to hear what people got to say, because then we can't really assist unless we know what exactly we are assisting with. And so actually, even before we get deployed, where my agency, ASPRA, comes into play is that they work with the local state departments and the local communities to identify what the needs are. And so that before we get deployed, um, we know exactly somewhat what's needed. However, sometimes, unfortunately, um, even though you get in the community, everybody is not on the same page, naturally. We all have different perspectives. So um, when we get into those scenarios, we have to adjust by hearing what they're saying, hearing what their needs are, and doing our best to appropriately address those needs. Thank you for that. I think that's really interesting. I think everyone's got tons of questions with COVID. Kind of going back to your career journey aspect. So what piece of advice would you give incoming like public health students? So um, the piece of advice, um, we talked a little bit earlier is mentorship. Seek out a mentor. Make sure that the mentor you're seeking is somewhat aligned with your interests. You want your mentor to be able to challenge you, to help you grow, not just in your professional life, but also in your personal life. Because no matter how much we try to focus a lot on our work and our profession, the work still is there. I'm sorry, um, your own individual personal life is still there. So you need to have that proper work-life balance. And so a mentor that can help you work through those time management issues and balancing your work life. So that's one thing. The other thing is I would say, take some classes outside of your area of focus. Um, Take a communication class so that you can know how to communicate effectively to your customers. Because when I say customers, is that no matter what jobs we take in life, we have customers. We have internal customers and we have external customers. So we need to know how to communicate to both of those groups. 
And then the third thing is that um, I, I would say look at your surroundings, get a beat of what's going on in, in your community and the world around you to see what is needed. And that's and this is where being a public health student, being able to conduct honestly a needs-based assessment of what, what's needed in your community, what's needed in your state, and what's needed in the company that you're working with so that you can understand what's needed and how you can meet the needs. Because there are a lot of programs out there that, um, that are available for people and a lot of people don't utilize that um, because the people themselves don't see it as a need. And so you have to identify what that need is to try to meet those needs. So looking at your career thus far, what would you identify as the most rewarding aspect of it? So that's a great question. I would say uh, it's rewarding and most challenging at the same time, um, getting deployed um, for the pandemic. And so going back to the long-term care nursing facility, it was extremely difficult in that at the point in time, it was the beginning of the pandemic, no one knew really what was going on. Again, as I said, you get a beat of what's going on in the world around you. Prior to being deployed in December of 2020, I, I saw in the news what was going on over in, in, um, in Asia. And so I, I started to look into what that was and whatever else as a public health service officer because you just never know. And so in the background, I, I, I did my epidemiology research and I did my uh, research to understand what's going on. And so when I got deployed, I had to, I had to be able to know what is it that I'm going to be doing there? How am I going to protect myself? How am I going to protect my staff? And how am I going to protect the residents and the staff at the learning technical facility I was at? Because unfortunately, there were um, people that were dying. Um, and so thankfully for the nurses and staff that got deployed with us and at uh, the facility, um, we were able to, to slow it down and, and, and stop the outbreak from happening. And so um, that was really awarding. But the challenging part was seeing how it impacted the residents in the long-term facility, how it impacted the staff at the long-term facility, and how it impacted the, um, the family of the residents because they could not visit their, um, their parents, their grandparents, they were outside the windows. So I got to see that. I got to see them lined up outside of the facility. That was really challenging to have to see because at the same time, I had um, my mother-in-law who was in a long-term care facility here in Iowa and um, unfortunately she passed away um, this year, but that was challenging. And so I had to really rely upon my faith um, to help get me through that. And that um, I, I had to read my Bible. I had to get deeper in my relationship with Jesus. And I had to be able to be there, not just for myself or others, because everyone goes through things and uh, you got to be able to be there for people. And I would say, I, I realized that um, life is not as simple as we make it to be. It's, it's really complex. And everyone is at a different stage in their life journey. And as you go through your, your life journey, you had to be there for somebody. There were some people that were going through some rough things, just to be able to, like I said earlier, have a listening ear for the staff to sometimes you just you don't have anything to give to them other than just to have a listening ear so i learned that um i need to be able to be quick to listen and slow to speak and so um that's something else that i would encourage people is that don't be quick to to, to respond just listen to what people are saying and if you can respond respond but if there's no need for response you don't have to so i would go back and say the pandemic has been the most rewarding and the most challenging experience because through the pandemic, I've been able to utilize all the aspects of my educational background, whether it be medical technology, when I went into a laboratory to do assessments, 
for the laboratory um, at an Indian healthcare facility, epidemiology with infection control, and um, occupational environmental health. We're providing safety training and risk assessments and safety assessments for facilities I've got deployed to. Yeah, thank you for that insight and all of your hard work with the pandemic. To finish off this interview, one of the questions we like to ask everyone, what is one thing that you thought you knew but were later wrong about? Boy, that's <laughs> a great question because um, I can even be wrong about this. I would say the life was black and white. In that, for the most part of my life, I thought life was black and white. And, um, and that's where my internship came into play. And that's why, again, I thank Dr. Donham for encouraging me to go beyond my comfort zone. Um, going into uh, a, a private industry environment, um, I learned information in my school about how to approach safety. Um, as a safety manager working in safety, my responsibility is to make sure that we abide by OSHA regulations. And so I, I had to learn that there is the black and white of the law, but also there is a gray area in terms of how you apply the law and be able to identify correctly risk assessments. Is there, what's the risk if an employee does this behavior and be able to appropriately weigh it out? And I also learned to apply that um, to my job as a consumer safety officer with the FDA in that um, there may be hazards um, in, in a facility, but what's the risk of that, of that particular hazard um, of causing some injury, illness, or death? And so I would say thinking things are black and white when they're not, and then being able to properly address risk to mitigate the risk and to understand how much at risk um, are you at and um, what level of risk are you willing to accept? Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you for that last little bit of advice and also congratulations for being awarded one of the Outstanding Alumni Awards. Thank you both very much. I enjoyed the interview. Um, and you continue to do a great job in the, the things that you do. Thank you. That's it for our episode this week. Big thanks to Dr. Ferguson for coming on with us today. This episode was hosted, written, and edited by Alex Mura and co-hosted and produced by Alexis Clark. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues. Our team can be reached at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Stay happy, stay healthy, and keep learning.